Let's just start now uh, with our teaching, the worry-free life, watching and waiting for Jesus. Last week we talked about how uh, Jesus was teaching the importance of praying to our Father, that God is our Father, and that uh, last week we looked at how God, Jesus was saying it was important that we would live as daughters who had a Father in heaven. And we saw last week that, that he was uh, teaching about the power and the help and the enabling of the Holy Spirit. And now today we're going to look at Jesus continuing to teach, but he's going to teach the reality of some of the difficult things in our lives that we struggle against, one of those being hypocrisy, pride and anxiety. And we're going to start looking at this chapter and we're going to whiz through it and we're going to trust God uh, that he's going to speak in the time that we have left. So let's start at Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, Jesus began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be shown. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you've spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. So we're going to just look at these uh, section by section. And this first one is that Jesus was teaching his disciples about being real. Whatever was going on, I, I read this and I, I sort of noticed for the first time that the people around Jesus, that there were so many of them that they were trampling on each other. And I started to think to myself, what on earth were they trampling on each other? Was that just because there was a huge crowd and, and they were trying to all get space to hear him and get close to him? Or was it more than that? Was there, was there some intimidation going on? Remember last time we spoke, we saw that some of the Pharisees were accusing Jesus that he was speaking uh, not from the power of God, but that he was being energised and empowered by the power of the devil. And we saw that was blasphemous. And we wondered, was there some of that accusation and stuff going on in the, in the rough and tumble of this crowd? And so in, it was in the midst of that situation where people were trampling over each other in the crowd that Jesus spoke directly to his own disciples. And the word that he gave them was to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So it makes me kind of wonder if the Pharisees weren't in there stirring up and causing a bit of a riot. Because remember that they were very religious, they were very, um, very legalistic, and they were always looking for something to bring accusation. They had a wrong spirit. They were not, they were not empowered by the Holy Spirit. They had a wrong spirit in them, a spirit of accusation, a spirit of judgment, and a religious spirit that was stifling and that wanted to stop the work of God. And, 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 and they were full of pride. And of course, Jesus talked about them as being hypocrites and he used this illustration of leaven now in our culture i don't know much i'm not much good at bacon bread anybody here any good at bacon bread but i do know that there's something called leaven that has to go in isn't that right and it has to go into the dough and it has to sit a while isn't that right and then eventually it, it, the dough begins to swell and that's what makes the bread light and edible that's as much as I know. I don't think I've ever made bread. Maybe I did, but not that kind of bread with leaven. It never worked with leaven. But the thing about leaven is that it puffs up. It makes the bread puff up. And as well as that, it works its way through the dough. It has an influence that actually works its way until the whole lump of dough has been infected 
with this level. Isn't that right? So that's a wonderful illustration, isn't it, of hypocrisy? Because if we're living, if we're hypocritical, if we're saying one thing and thinking something else, or if we're presenting ourselves to be, you know, something, but actually in this quiet, in the secret place, we are something else, then we can very easily get puffed up like the bread, you know, become proud. And not only that, but it has a, a, an effect that can actually push through us and, and infect every part of what we think, particularly what we think, because what you think will then start to come in what you speak, and then what you speak will determine how you feel and what you do. And so this illustration of, of hypocrisy and leaven is a very, very graphic one. And Jesus was saying, look, you've got to be careful that, you, that you're real. God wants people to be real. He doesn't want us to be hypocritical. He doesn't want us to pretend to be one thing and actually secretly be something else. And he wants, he wants instead of the, the leaven infecting us, he wants God's Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would fill us up. And I've written your notes here, just as leaven pops up and infiltrates in the natural, so hypocrisy puffs up with pride and infiltrates all our thoughts and actions and impacts all our people. So if you're not real, if you're just pretending, it will not only contaminate you, but it will actually spread to the people around you. And I've just put in your notes that we should be real before God because Jesus warned that things said and done in secret will one day be exposed. And we need to know that we can actually fool each other, but we can't fool God. Because he sees what happens in the dark. He sees what we're doing behind closed doors. And he knows anyway. And there's going to come a day where those things that you think you can hide are going to be exposed in his presence, if not before. So this is the first point that we wanted to make today, that, that Jesus was teaching his disciples that they needed to be real people. And I just want to really encourage you today, even if being real means that you become vulnerable. Because I'll tell you something, uh, the world will tell you you don't want to be vulnerable. Don't let anybody see your vulnerable bits. Do you know what? Being vulnerable is strength. When you become vulnerable, you make yourself open for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and transform you and make you powerful in the kingdom of God. So for any sake, don't think you've got to put a big brave face on and be somebody that always gets it right and I'm on top of things. Thank you very much. And keep up this big mass because that's not what God wants. He wants us as believers, as part of Christ's body on earth. He wants us to love each other and be real with each other so that we actually can be vulnerable with each other. Because do you know what? I don't always get it right and neither do you. Is that a bit of a surprise? <laughs> I'll tell you, I have my off days. There are times whenever I am feeling, flip me. <laughs> this past week was one of those times. How am I going to do all this? Panic, panic setting in. I am not cool, calm, and collected all the time. There are times when I take a downer and I have to start praising and I have to start pressing into God because we're human and we can afford to be vulnerable with each other. And half of the time, I think half the reason you come here is because you know that I'm not trying to pretend to have it all sorted. Like, if I was coming here every week and said, I've got it sorted, then you just go and do the same. <laughs> Would that help you? No. The reason that you come is because you know that I don't get it right, that I'm the same as yourself, and that I need God's help, and so do you. So let's start being real. 
Okay, let's look at the next section, chapter 12, verses 4 to 7. Jesus said, And I say to you, my friends, do, do, and I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. For I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Now here's the thing. He was teaching his disciples not to fear man or to fear circumstances, but to fear God. You see, if the crowd, if there was intimidation going on in the crowd, if there were some of these Pharisees or perhaps other people who weren't Pharisees, if they were making accusations and kind of intimidating these disciples, then this would have been a really... This would have been a really good word for them, wouldn't it? Because they would have needed to be reminded that you don't be afraid of any man. And you know, if Shelley talked about her work today and about all kinds of stuff going on around her, you know, at times it can be scary. It can be scary for any of us if we go into an environment where we feel that there's hostility or we feel that, that the enemy could operate against us. But you see, God says, don't you fear? Why not? Because he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. You know, he can just put his hand out and those, those things that would come against you, he can just stop them. Yeah. And we need to know that we can live in protection. He is our high tower. He wants us to get into the high tower. He doesn't want us to be afraid. And God really wants you to know that he loves you, that he is able to uh, take away that fear. And I'm just looking for another wee note that I had. I don't know where I put them because I had a wee quote on it. don't know where that's gone to. Anyhow, there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, God wants us to know that we don't have to be afraid of man, but we should be afraid of God. And to be afraid of God doesn't mean that we're, oh, I can't go to him. No, it means that we respect him, that we have a fear of hurting him because we love him and we know that he is for us and we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a healthy fear of God. That means that we realize that he is, he is omnipotent, that he rules this universe, that that we belong to him, that we're in his family, he is our father, we're his children, and we can come to him as a child. But we have respect and we fear the fact of who he is, and we, 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 we fear offending him, or we fear to grieve him. And that is a healthy fear of God. And then Jesus goes on to give this lovely illustration about the sparrows. I, I love this illustration are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins i believe in those days that it was a bit like you know when you go to tesco's and they say buy buy four and get one free <laughs> that's exactly what was happening that's, that seems to have been what was happening if you bought uh, four sparrows then they threw another one in for nothing <laughs> and people would have brought spar would have bought sparrows because they would have brought them to the temple as offerings. It was a poor, man, a poor man's offering. And uh, if they couldn't afford a, a, another, a larger animal, that's what they'd have done. Isn't it amazing that, that Jesus is using this illustration? He's saying, are not five sold for two copper coins? And one of them, that's the one that you get for nothing. That's the one that's thrown in for nothing. That God sees and notices. 
the one that's thrown away by the world for nothing. You might feel you're not of much value. Let me tell you something. You might feel that the world throws you away as if you're nothing. You, you need to know this. You need to know that to God you're so special. You need to know that he values you. That you're his special, beloved daughter. You need to know who you are. You need to know that he sent his son to die for you. And if there was nobody else in this world, Jesus would still have made the journey. He would still have left heaven with all the glory and splendor and come down to this earth. He would have still gone to the cross. He would have still died for you. And you know what? How wonderful that we can say, thank you, Father, that you love me so much that you give Jesus to be my saviour, that I could receive forgiveness of sins, that I could be washed totally clean and infilled with your Holy Spirit, that I could live a life of purpose and value as the king's daughter in this earth because of the value that God puts on me and on you. That is the good news. You are of much value. And Jesus said, let me just read it to you. He said, do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. You've got to get that into your heart. So we've got to realise that God wants us to be real. We've got to know that we can fear God in a healthy way. And that sets us free that we don't have to fear man. Whenever we trust and fear God and say, God, you know what? I'm afraid of all this stuff, but I'm trusting you. And I know I don't want to grieve you. I want to continually be cleansed. I want to walk close to you because I know it's a daily thing. And I want to walk close with you. And I want to hear you in my life. Do you know what? When we walk like that and enjoy our Heavenly Father, do you know what? We don't have to be afraid of anything. Nothing. And so God wants us set free from that fear. I've written in your notes, the Lord still reminds us of God's love and attention to every minute detail of our lives. And then let's move on because we've got a lot to go through and our time is limited. Look at uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 8 to 12. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now when they bring you to the synagogue and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. You'll notice that it is referring in this to the fact that these Pharisees had, had accused Jesus of, of getting his power from, the, from Beelzebub, from the, 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 the devil himself. And that, of course, to attribute what God is doing to the demonic, that is the, what is unforgivable. That is what the Bible talks. Some people think if I committed the unforgivable sin, there's no such thing of the unforgivable sin in the sense of stuff that you have done yourself, apart from if you resist the Holy Spirit and you, and you don't allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and you refuse to allow him to, to open your heart that you might receive Jesus as your Saviour and Lord, well, if you refuse that gift of salvation by the Holy Spirit, then that's the unforgivable sin. That makes sense, doesn't it? But there's nothing you can do that's so bad that it's unforgivable because Jesus died for the very worst Jesus took on himself in his own body on the cross. He took every sin that was ever committed by mankind. 
the worst sins that you see on the news, that you shrink back from and think, that is horrendous, how could anybody do that? Jesus bore the penalty for that sin in his own body on the cross. It's been paid for. There's forgiveness for all. But we have to open ourselves to the working of the Holy Spirit, to prepare our hearts, to open up our hearts, that we can find this forgiveness and this washing, that we can be filled by the Holy Spirit. And so in this teaching, this short teaching, Jesus is saying, yes, the enemy will try to, to, to make you think that what God's saying is not true and make it look as if it's coming from the source of evil. But God's saying, it's, more, it's important that you trust my Holy Spirit. He was teaching his disciples to trust the Holy Spirit and not to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, but to trust him. And that's because we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us, before he went back to the cross, he told his disciples, it's better that I go away because the Holy Spirit's coming and he will show you all things. He will be your teacher, he will be your helper, he'll be your counsellor, he'll be the one who'll come alongside of you and help you through life. He's the one who will actually take the word of God and put life into it and teach you through the word of God. It's the Holy Spirit who, who tells you and imparts to you what God the Father and what the God the Son are talking about and, and what, what they want you to hear. It's the Holy Spirit who ministers to you we need the Holy Spirit and no wonder that the enemy has tried to shrink Christians back from the Holy Spirit because you see the enemy doesn't want you to really understand the work of the Holy Spirit in your life he is a God, member of the Godhead and he's wonderful and he's beautiful and he's gentle and he can be grieved by our, by our, our mistrust and by things that we do whenever we, we, we don't fear God and we just get on and do stuff our own way and so we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, we want to trust him. And it's the Holy Spirit who will, who will help you to confess Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who will give you courage. If you think, oh my goodness, I'm going into this crowd of people, and I, I just feel I'd love to tell them that I'm a follower of Jesus now, that, that I have invited Jesus into my life, but I'm afraid. And if we're honest about it, we're, we all don't like to be the one out. We, it's difficult sometimes to speak up for Jesus. It's difficult to be a voice in the midst of a lot of people who don't have any time for God. It's difficult to speak up and wit be a witness for God and to confess Jesus. That's difficult. But if the Holy Spirit is the one who will give you the courage, all you've got to do is ask. We've just got to go to God and say, look, I'm a bit scared here. I need you to help me to confess. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, don't worry what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in the very hour what you ought to say. I just really wanted to, to tell you, and I'm still looking for those notes. I don't know what I did with those. There was a few quotes, but one of them was that um, it was about, about living for God in the now. You see, the trouble with us is this is what this is what Jesus is essentially saying here. He's saying the Holy Spirit will teach you in the very hour what you ought to say. See, sometimes we're afraid. Well, what am I going to say in that situation, or what am I going to do? Where are they? Kelly, see you. You couldn't watch. You couldn't watch you. <laughs> you see. It's, it's about living in the now. Um, just let me, there's two or three here that I want to share with you throughout this talk. I'm, I'm watching my time. But there's a few things that we really need to say here. Um, 
It's not the cares of today, but the cares of tomorrow that weigh a, a woman down. For the needs of today, we have corresponding strength given to us by the Lord. For, the, for tomorrow, we're told to trust. That's because tomorrow is not ours yet. It is when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than we can bear. So, so often we're worrying, and another one of these quotes says, our lives are full of supposes. Suppose this should happen, or suppose that should happen. What could we do? How could we bear it? But if we're living in the high tower of the dwelling place of God, all these supposes will drop out of our lives. We shall be quiet from the fear of evil, for no threatenings of evil can penetrate into the high tower of God. So if you know that you are in, Jesus is, the Bible, the Psalms are full of it, that Jesus is like a high tower that you can step into by faith. And you say, God, I'm trusting you, Jesus. I'm trusting you to take care of things. Yes, that situation's difficult. Yes, I don't know how I'm going to manage that, but I'm going to trust you for today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. When tomorrow comes, then I know I'll be in the high tower and I know you look after me just the way you're looking after me today. That's the way we're meant to live. That's what Jesus says. He wants to be the one that we depend on. And, and the secret, ladies, the secret is we live in the now. We don't live in yesterday, and we don't live in tomorrow, but we live in the now. It's not, he's the, he is the I am. He is the I am. He's for the moment. He wants to be with you right now where you are. That's why the Bible says that now is the accepted time to, to become a Christian, to become a follower of Jesus. Now, not tomorrow. Because God wants us to live in the now. He wants us to grab the opportunities of living in the now. And you know what? A lot of us are missing out on joy. A lot of us are missing out on that real sense of, wow, life is worth living. Because we are either lamenting and, and thinking and living in yesterday, or we're afraid and in fear and dreading tomorrow. Instead of enjoying today and trusting God for today and knowing that he is with us in that very moment. And God, Jesus was teaching his disciples, if you're afraid, he said, do not worry. Do not worry about what you're going to have to say or what you're going to have to do. When the time comes, he'll sort it. So we've, so far we've looked at how God wants us to be real. He wants us not to fear, uh, fear man, but to fear him in a healthy way where we love him and, and, and trust him. Uh, we are to um, trust in the Holy Spirit and to live in the now. And now we're going to continue on and we're going to look at verse 13 to 21. It says, Then a man or one from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to him, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of, this, of the things that he possesses. Let's just read on down. Verse 16. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns, and I'll build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat Drink and be merry. But 
God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Jesus is teaching about the importance of spiritual inheritance. You see, when you trust Jesus to be your saviour, when you invite him to come in, to forgive you and to live in you by his Holy Spirit, you start this amazing journey, you start this new lifestyle. Uh, God's Holy Spirit begins to speak to you through the word of God. You begin to hear, you begin to learn and learn from other believers and you realise you're part of a body now. Christ is the head and you're, you have a particular function. My hand's different than my foot, got a different function. You realise you've all got different parts of the body of Christ. We all do. We've all got different gifts. We're all unique. And we realise we've been brought into something wonderful. And we realise that we are not only here with this link to heaven now, not only are we part of the family of God, but that God has given us a particular job to do, a particular <coughs> purpose that he designed us for, and we begin to realise why we were here on this planet in the first place, and everything begins to make sense, and we begin to realise that not only is God promised because we've accepted Jesus, that we're going to be with him in eternity, but listen, even more than that, God's saying, and everything you do for me, I'm going to reward you. I mean, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? And he said, you know what, the more you live for me, you're going to get more and more of a spiritual inheritance. And he said, I want to bless you. I want you. I want to reward you. I mean, imagine, is it forgiveness and getting to be part of God's kingdom and being involved in, in the running of this kingdom for the rest of eternity, what God's going to do on the earth? Imagine being part of that. Is that not enough? But God said, but even on top of that, I want to reward you. If you're faithful for me now, I want, you to, re I want to reward you. And so he's, he's uh, speaking here about, about true riches. And you see, this wee man from the crowd, he popped up and he says, uh, he's kind of using the opportunity to kind of get a dig in at the brother. Because there's been a bit of a problem about the inheritance. And it's earthly stuff. And you see, Jesus was talking about heavenly stuff. And so often, we're more taken up with the stuff that's going on here. You know, the here and now. The, the earthly stuff. And he's saying, well, listen, Lord, could you not just speak to my brother? There's a bit of a problem about our inheritance. Tell him to give me my share. And Jesus is just backing off from that. Because, you see, the trouble with all of us is that, so, you know what we, what we all do? We put the earthly stuff, the ordinary stuff, in front of the spiritual stuff, don't we? We're far more concerned about stuff that's, that's just in the natural more than we're concerned about the spiritual stuff. And Jesus is actually wanting to say to this man, look, he's, he's trying to say to him, you know, get yourself sorted. Put the right thing first. And he, and he begins to talk about being, being covetous. And that's the tenth, I think, you know, is this the tenth commandment, I think it is, where it says, "Thou shalt not covet." And the trouble with us is that we want, we covet material things. We want what somebody else has. We put that stuff first instead of the kingdom stuff. And Jesus was making a point about this man who had made a lot of money, hadn't had any time for God. He had God's, he'd had God's blessing, but he hadn't even acknowledged God. He had become a wealthy man. He had prospered in his business. And without consulting God or even thanking God or thinking that God had anything to do with it, this man says, do you know what? I just think, I did this myself. I think I'll just pull these barns down now and I'm going to start building more because after all, I can do anything. And he's building without God. And that's the whole point of this illustration. That we can get on in our lives and we can be getting this for ourselves and getting that for ourselves and trying to sort that out, but leaving God out of it. 
And I said, oh, I will do this. And I, instead of saying, Lord, what should I do? You guide me. If we bring him into our lives, we're going we're gonna to know not only the joy, but we're going to know his prosperity. But if we're trying to do it on our own, God described this man as being a fool. He says, you're a fool because you know what? Tonight I'm going to require your life from you. And then what's going to happen to all that you have? You know, it's so easy to get into materialism, to think that what we possess is important. It's lovely to have enough to get by and all of that, but the most important thing is, the most important thing is that we invest in heaven. And Jesus made this assessment. He said, this man was building for himself and he wasn't laying up any treasure in heaven. He wasn't rich towards God. And that's the question. And when we ask you here, if, you, if you're willing to help in God's work and to, to give, we're not trying to put pressure on you, but we're, we're certainly throwing out an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I'm going to invest in heaven. I'm going to put an investment into the bank of heaven where Jesus said no moth could come in. But you know, so, do you ever see those, those sort of uh, films where people are stashing up? I remember working in, way back in, in the 70s, working in Fermanagh. And I remember going around uh, a lot of houses where there was, you know, out in the, in the back of beyond. Fermanagh is very, very rural. I remember going into many a house where there was no toilet, no water, earthen floor uh, and you know no furniture apart from two 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 chairs and, and a bed and i remember this wee woman and she was well on in life and i remember i used to go and sit and talk to her and there was two two chairs and she had a bit of fish maybe stuck up against the hearth for it to get smoked with the open fire and she carried the, uh, she wasn't fit hardly to carry the water but anyway and i remember her confiding in me that the bed was falling apart and when we started to try and uh, fix the bed up, it just disintegrated. And there was wads and wads of money inside <laughs> nylon tights, stuffed onto nylon tights. Wads and wads of money. And she was living like a pauper. You know what? We, we can get things the whole way, wrong way around. God's saying, would you start to invest into my kingdom? Would you start to invest? I told you a few weeks ago about, about how my, my father and a few men from Fermanagh used to go out into the backwoods and used to pick up children and tell them about Jesus. And how after like 30, 40 years, I am now meeting people who are saying, I found Jesus at that time. And I used to, I was only a teenager, I remember driving in the car, driving these wee kids in the car, bumming with people. What were those men doing? They were sowing into the kingdom. They were giving their time and their energy. They were putting finances into for these kids to try and give them prizes and to look after them. Listen, God's no man debtor. You put into the bank of heaven, nobody can steal it. It's not going to be in nylon tights in a, in a bed where the whole thing is disintegrated. The whole thing fell onto the floor, the whole lot. God wants us to invest for him. He wants us to be rich towards God. Now, we're going, to, we're going to wind up very quickly. The next two wee sessions, and I promise you, really quick. Jesus taught his disciples to live the worry-free life. And I'm going to read through this as well. Verse, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. He already talked about the, the sparrows. Now he's saying, consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap which have neither storehouse nor barn. They're not storing up things. And God feeds them. 
of how much more value are you than the birds? He's repeating what he taught uh, just a few verses previously. And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Do you hear that? Nor have an anxious mind. Get your mind thinking God's way. Don't have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. Your Father knows, your Heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens, that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Get your heart on the things of heaven. And you know what? You'll find yourself wanting to give towards the things of heaven. And God will take care of you He will, because he knows exactly what you need. I'm just going to allow you to read what I've written. That We're not going to go into it too much because I want to get the last few bit and our time almost we're just going to wind up now as we look at the last section Luke chapter 12 verse 35 let's just look at this we won't have time to read all of this but I'm going to read a couple of verses here and there verse 35 in your notes I've said let me just read it to you in Bible times working men tucked the skirts of their long robes into their belts in order to have freedom of activity and this is the message of verse 1 that is wrong. It should be verse 35. Okay? I was looking just because mine's broken up into sections and without even thinking, I just put the first, the first verse in this section, but it's verse 35. And here's what verse 35 says. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. So what does that mean? Well, in biblical days, the men, if they were going to go out and do some work, they gathered up their long garments and they, they pulled them up and they tied them, put them up, to, and then put the belt around them so that they were free for their legs to actually do manual work. And so the picture is that God wants you and me. He wants us to be ready to, to, to work for him. But I want to read a, just a few verses. Let's just read these first three verses, 35 to 37. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And then it goes on down about being watchful. We haven't time to read it all. You can read it yourself. And it goes on down to say in verse 49, Jesus said, I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on the earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For, for, for from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two, and two against three. Father will be divided, etc., etc. 
verse 54. Therefore he said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be a hot weather, and there it is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you don't discern this time? Okay, let's just quickly wind up just a, a big, broad picture as to what I believe this is saying. I believe that Jesus is saying that he wants us to gird up, to get ready like working men, to be watchful, to be, to be ready to do whatever God asks us to do, to be at the ready, to be watchful and waiting. And this amazing promise is given that when Jesus comes back and finds a people on this earth who are waiting and are watching and are working for him, that Jesus himself is going to actually sit down and serve them. I mean, that blows my mind. The humility of the Son of God. How much he values and, and loves us. How much he values our faithfulness. How much he wants us to work for him. He doesn't want us to be lying back lazy and, and getting discouraged. He wants us to realise that he has created us for purpose and he wants us to fulfil that purpose. And that's why I want to encourage you because every single one of you women have a mouth and have opportunities to speak life into other people. You have opportunities to do things that God would prompt you to do that would make all the difference. You're chosen people and God wants to use you in situations all around you. But you need to invite him and say, well, show me what to do, Lord. And you know what? He'd prompt you. You'll find a prompting. You'll find, oh, maybe I could do that for someone. And you'll find, as you obey, you're going to find that joy and satisfaction because it's found in obedience. It's found in doing what we're created to do. And God wants us to enjoy that. And he wants us to live expectantly, knowing that he's coming back. And these verses are saying, look, don't be like people that look at the signs in the sky and think it's going to rain, but just don't bother about it. Let's see the signs. Let's realise that Jesus is returning to this earth. We've only got to look at the political scene. haven't time to go into all of that. But listen, there are signs all around. Things have happened over this last 70 years since Israel came back to the nation of Israel. That was the beginning of the, of the prophecies, the end time prophecies. Jesus said, when you see the fig tree flourish, the fig tree is Israel. When Israel came back after being scattered across the earth, impossible for them to become a nation again. Nobody would have believed it, but it was prophesied from the very beginning of this book. And when Israel came back in 1948, it was the beginning of this generation. And Jesus said, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be accomplished. Now, I, I personally kind of tend to take that literally. Other people, we don't know when he's coming. It could be longer than that. I don't know, but I do believe that we're in the, it's just certainly a sign we're in the end time. And we should see those signs and we should be alert and ready to do the stuff that God wants us to do. Because do you know what? If we're willing, he'll give us the energy. If we say, give him a yes, he'll supply everything else we need. My God will supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus, including energy and. Right? God is for us and not against us. He wants to energize us. He wants to give us the resources to do it. You'll get the resources that you need for North Lurgan. Because God's with you and if God has called you for this work so he's going to give you the resources to do the work and very often his way of doing that is through his own people through the body of Christ and he wants us to alert and waken up that we are in the last days and then this final section which I am going to race through because I think it's important as well he goes on to say these are odd things why would this be added then but let's read it from verse 57 yes said Jesus and why even of yourselves do you not judge what is right when you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge. 
The judge then deliver you to the officer and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you shall not depart from there till you have paid the very last mite. What's he saying? He's saying get right with God. Don't, don't, don't let things slip. Get right with God now. Let me just read the way I wrote it because I think it'll just save me trying to explain a whole lot in a very quick moment. And I'm going to just read this summary at the very end. At the sign of the return of Christ, as the signs of the return of Christ increase in our world, we would do well to tighten our belt and actively serve him. This is not a time to live a hypocritical life or to worry about earthly things. It is a time to serve with burning love. I believe that's what Jesus was referring to when he said, I have come to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already, already, uh, and how I wish it were already kindled. What's that fire on the earth? I believe that's the passion. He, was with, he knew he'd have to go and go through the fire of judgment so that we could carry the fire of passion. And he was prepared to go to the cross and go through that passion and all that pain so that you and I could have this burning passion in us to do his will in these end times. And so let's, let's just read this last bit. This is not a time to live a hypocritical life or worry about earthly things, but it is a time to serve with burning love in our hearts for the one who died for us on the cross. And just as a man going to court should make every effort to settle out of court, so God's judgment is coming on the earth and we would be wise to settle with him before his return. Now look at this. God gave me this this morning, just the last minute before I went out. Legal settlement with God, who is the judge. That's your salvation. That's the moment you decided to follow Jesus and ask him to forgive you and wash you clean. That's the legal settlement. Legal settlement with God, who is the judge, has already been made by Jesus so as to free us from the power and the lies of the adversary. This means we can indeed live worry-free lives as we watch and wait for the return of Jesus. I love this verse in Titus 2, looking for the glorious appearance of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify us for himself, his own special people. Do you hear me? You're his own special people. I could nearly get excited about this. <laughs> Zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Don't let the enemy despise you and make little of you. You're the king's daughter. Know who you are. Know you're of great value and know that you're called for end time work that's linked to heaven. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's your job. You've got a new lease of life. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got all the resources of heaven to do it. Let's go for it, ladies. Let's go for it. And let's encourage each other in these days. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you, Lord, that your word can penetrate right into the hearts of every woman here today. Lord, for those who feel a bit downcast or depressed, would you just put your word right in there to give them a lift, to touch them. For those who need healing and encouragement, would you touch by your word those very deep places, even those places that they don't understand themselves, that they can't understand what's going on. Holy Spirit, will you come and take your word and put it and place it right in? Will you use the sword even to do, to do even a spiritual 
operation in someone's heart today where light will be light of the word will enter thank you that your word says that the entrance of your word gives light i pray i believe there's somebody here today who whom god wants to give you a revelation it's like turn the, a, a light switch on that god wants to give that as, as his word has gone forth he wants to switch the lights on that you understand who he is and what he's trying to do in your life and that you will agree with him and allow him to come in that you will agree with him and allow him to shine his light and that you might begin to move out of that dark place that you have been in. I speak that prophetically over somebody here today. Lord, would you just continue to lead us as we sing this last song? Because Lord, without, without the, the cross, without the death that he died for us, this would not happen. We could not speak like this. We would not be legally set free if you hadn't died on the cross. We want to thank you for the power of the cross and we want to praise you, Lord, for the love and compassion that you had for us and for the plans and the purposes that you have for us. And we thank you, Lord, today is a day for moving forward. But we want to give thanks to you for coming and dying on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name.